Welcome to <laughs> Amp Radio. Gabe Saporta, a businessman. I'm not a businessman. I'm that's, a business. That's man. Well, that's what Wikipedia yeah. says. You should oh, go yeah. in and change it and put the comma there. Uh, you got to put the comma. Gabe Saporta, businessman. Also Jay Z. Also Jay Z. Good. I'm glad you got that reference. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. We're the same age. We grew up listening. Uh, to the I know same it's so sad. Stuff. Sometimes I just like say lines of songs around these kids, and they just look at me like, "What? How? Like, uh, like around? I just Descendants came on, and I'm like, "So you know Descendants?" He's like, "I, I think I heard of it." <laughs> Are you guys scared of Gabe? Sewell's really scared of me. Yeah, I could tell on the on the way in that you're Sewell's kind of new. Yeah. yeah. So so it's funny because sometimes I see Sewell like with his friends and he's like very talkative and outgoing. And then like when he's around me, he's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a you're the <laughs> you're boss. Yeah, I don't think of myself as the boss. It's weird, but I guess I am the boss. You are the boss. Yeah. And I think it's always a little bit intimidating, regardless of how you feel about yourself around the people you're that, the boss too and you want to know what yeah. some of the people that work with me terrified of me. are they yeah and i'm like i'm the least terrifying person i could never do anything to anybody yeah i, I could i barely can run my own life right i guess it's a fine line because like as like a quote-unquote boss like i like when people fuck with me but if they fuck with me too hard i get pissed off you know it's like you really have to know the fine line he's really that is not that's a scary thing to hear. That's a scary. <laughs> that's a scary thing to hear as a person that is knows you. I guess. I guess it's about like the energy behind it, the vibe. If like the vibe is just like, hey, we're relaxed, we're fucking around. If the vibe is like, I'm gonna try to pull you down because you're the boss. I don't like that, right? Which is like, no one does that to me here, but people have done that to me in the past, and I really don't like that. I mean, I think in general, as a as a person, when people are like, well, you're fucking around, like. It's a good thing to fuck around, but also when we're trying to get work done or when they're fucking with you, yes. then it's very, very, I, I, I don't like that either. Yeah. 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 The getting interrupted trying to get work done is hard. Uh, last time I saw you, I don't even think we did an intro. I think we just did a prayer. <laughs> always <laughs> just, got a prayer. That's the thing about Jews. They have a prayer for everything. You know, there's a prayer for going to the bathroom. Did you say it when you left? I can still say it. Do you the, know what it is? I do know the whole thing. Yeah. You know the the bathroom prayer? Yeah, of course. Is, do you say it before or after or say during? After you use the bathroom. To say after thank you. wash your hands. To say thank you. The prayer like talks about like, like everything, first of all, everything in Judaism has like four levels. There's like the literal level, the allegorical level, like the like the quote unquote legal, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, and the last level is like the, the mystical level, right? So the literal definition of the prayer to go to the bathroom, it talks about like opening the channels of your body so that they don't close. And said, if they were even closed for a minute, you would die. Like, you know, it like, sounds like a literal level. That's the literal level. The secret level is that it has 45 words in it, which is connected, I think, to the word Adam, 40, which which is the numerical value of 45. Like in Hebrew, you know that every letter is also a number. You're, you're a good, you're a good Jewish. I'm a good Jewish. I am a bad one. You know, it's no, it's no good or bad. It's no good or bad, but, but you can always, there's always more to learn, you know, which is nice. Did, did I ever tell you the story about how I got, got bar mitzvahed when I was 28? No, I'd love to hear it. When um, you were 28? I was 28. Did I you get bar mitzvahed at 13 too or no? No. Okay, My parents were like, do you want to get bar mitzvahed or do you just want to keep smoking weed? And I, and I was like, I'd rather keep do that. Weed. My sister got- Usually parents are like, do you want to get bar mitzvahed? Do you want to go on a trip somewhere? Maybe go to Israel? And did said, you do the birthright? I didn't. I did not do birthright. I was not like religious at all. until, I was, And I don't even consider myself religious. I consider myself- You're um, like a spiritual guy. You like to know I, I like, about yeah. this stuff. Yeah. I, I also do too, but I forget everything. Like I forget everything. That's why, I mean, that's why you have to always have reminders. <clears throat> I'll tell you two things. So first of all, when I started like into spirituality and it's like learning things, I didn't go into Judaism. I looked at other things. And then as I learned more about my own religion, I was like, oh, all this stuff is here. Like there's no like, you know, it's just like an energy. That's that, that's the idea of the, the God in Judaism, which is like a, an energy of the universe that you can connect with, right? Yes. And I'm like into energy and vibes. I'm a Libra, so I like I'm, I'm all about the vibes. Have you always been like that? I've always kind of been about the vibes, but I wasn't aware of it, you know. So I think um, I always responded to like how I feel and what the 
things are around me. And usually that was negative. So I was always getting into trouble in school, getting into fights because I was very sensitive to energies and I didn't know how to deal with that. So then as I got older and learned to manage those energies better, my sensitivity to it, then I just started learning about the energetic system. And then I'm just like, oh, Judaism has like an amazing understanding of connecting to energies in different ways. Um, well, we got very deep very fast, bro. I thought, I th I th I thought way, we were going to be a mean thing. Okay, this just is a, how it goes in here. Some, okay, great. We don't so, have to, there's okay. no... I, look, how many interviews do you do a year? Like none. Well, this is going to be the Two, best one. Yeah, and maybe, maybe the, okay. this will the be the best. One. It already is the best one. Yeah. Wait, you were talking about when you were a little kid. Did You started Midtown when you were how old? I was actually 18 when I started Midtown. Maybe 17, 18, 17. You had, already, you had already had sex by then. No, I was a virgin until I got married. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> How much money do you have right now? Um, I got to check under my mattress. But yeah, so you started, did you, were you like a bad, you were a bad kid? I was a bad kid. Yeah, I was getting, I, it's not that I was bad hearted. I just don't like rule. I don't accept rules that I don't understand. So for me, if someone tells me a rule, I really want to understand it and you know, I'm open, I'm open to hearing about it, but if I don't understand it, like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an anti-institution guy overall. I don't like, I think that the bigger the institution, the more tendency it has towards corruption. Well, so welcome to Amazon studios. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, so I, I, you know, but I, I agree. I agree with you. I think also like people that run big institutions know that, you know, and they're aware of that. And I think that there's also a difference when you create the institution and then you leave and then it gets like, who's controlling it, right? You have this big, um, kind of thing, and like, how do you control it? So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an independent guy. I have an independent company, but I'm not anti, like, like kill these things. Like, you know, like I think it's you have sometimes you have to work with them, right? I think when I was younger, I was more anti-establishment, like it, hardcore. I think that it's there. There was, you know, I was when I was growing up. There was two types of people. There was one that was like, I'm going to be into sports and I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this route i'm going to do this whole route or there was the i'm going to get into music and i don't know what i'm going to do and i chose that route was it did you know when you were a little kid you're like I, I i know what did you was this the path that you chose or was was this sort of when you started midtown you just kind of rode that that wave and what got you into doing that in the first place were your parents supportive of you like no they definitely you not else? supportive uh, i think it, it got chosen for me you know i think that I wasn't born in America. I came here as an illegal immigrant for like years. Um, so, you know, so it's like also generational. Like my grandfather escaped the Holocaust, right? So his family was like killed, you know, ended up in Uruguay. I grew up in Uruguay. Then like a military dictatorship takes over. My dad's like, we got to get out of here. And, you know, we come to America and we, you know, we come on a tourist visa and never leave. And then, you know, my dad can't get a job because he doesn't have papers. So we're like really poor living in Queens and I'm going to a Jewish school for free. This is why I even know my Judaism. So I'm, you know, it's like me and two Russian kids who escaped the Kremlin are going to this Jewish school, this upper middle class Jewish school for free. And we don't fit in because we're like the immigrant kids who don't speak English, you know? And then my dad finally gets papers like 10 years later, fast forward 10 years later, he has to go to medical school all over again just because just because you're a doctor in some bullshit third world country doesn't mean they're going to let you practice medicine in America. So he goes to medical school again, becomes a doctor. We move to New Jersey. Then we're going, I'm still in like the same kind of school. I'm going to that school, but all of a sudden then not, I'm no longer the immigrant. I'm like the... <laughs> I'm like I can't use the word, but I'm like the the kid for, the kid from Queens who talks like he's he's yes, Italian, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. A Jewish. I'm like yes. wearing a gold chain and I have a mullet, and I'm like in upper middle class New Jersey, you know, where it's like a little fancier. And, and like they they used to call me Party Patrol pants because I wore like these like these neon Z Cavarici jeans, which is actually very apropos. So, then I started Cobra Starship, but yeah, which <laughs> is which is which we'll get into. Yeah, but that was this was Midtown was obviously first. But before Midtown, so this is what happened. So then, so anyway, so what, what I was saying was I just didn't fit in. And when I found music, I just felt like, oh, cool. Here's a bunch of other people who don't fit in. Um, and then like, you well, know. Well, this was before the internet, right? Like this was all, or was it during the birth of internet? This was like in, by the mid nineties, I was a teenager and I was on the internet super early. And the thing about the internet that people kind of, it's not that they don't understand, but it, when you were early days of the internet 
everyone it was like it was all music people it was, that's you know? all that's all it that's was, all it and, was. I, and i think that that's a really important thing to bring to this conversation because it was all music that kind of at least in uh, to my knowledge was all sort of the genre that we kind of leaned into and that's how we found each other it wasn't it was like we were fortunate enough to go to school where we had to find our friends and then we could find our friends on the internet because they like the same type of shit. Yeah. And I mean, I was lucky if there was like two or three kids I could talk to about music in school and everyone's, you know, and like, and like, you know, I was like taking the bus into the city, like going to generation records or even tower records back then used to have a basement with just like seven inches, you know, and you're just digging through, like you just have a thirst to like find this new music, this different stuff that's just not available everywhere. And like, you really have to like look for physical things and then you would find stuff and then you want to tell people about it, but there's like no one to talk to you about it. So you go on the internet and you can talk to people around the country. Like you might be the only kid in your town who knows this band, but then you go on the internet and you just find like a thousand other kids that like the same kind of music, you know? So like the first people on the internet were like music people trying to find each other, right? and so i think a lot of the stuff that ended up happening on the internet happened because of like and it was, it was actually really punk rock it was a lot of punk I rock people thought that's yeah. what i'm saying is like that's how i found my people that's how i found everybody that i st still know to this day like it was very very similar like in tucson we came from yeah. queens moved to tucson i sounded different i looked different so i had to kind of find the people that w i fit in with why would jews from queens move to tucson you want to know what yeah it was because my dad had a food ingredient business oh, and wow. he was he had an office in flushing that was just out of a kitchen that's where i grew up in flushing that's crazy you're my dad i mean your dad <laughs> and so like he but he wanted to get a, a bigger space mm -hmm. and so you know to get a bigger space in new york it was impossible and so he moved to tucson out of all places and there was basically like two, but why how did you choose tucson what are they i think on? that they just fucking hated the cold oh. and so they were like let's go to the place where it is the opposite of that but it was a really strange thing to bring like a 13 year old 14 year old kid from new york right to tucson where it was just like cowboys and cholos and i'm like <laughs> very small very dewy at the, you know i sound different yeah. my mom is like the epitome of like new york you lady so everybody you know they're just it's not that she's mean she just says what she does but everybody else there was like families and they they did this thing where they like you know went they just had like a whole a much more family oriented vibe in that place and so it was very very different and that's how i got to fit into that scene and i think that you you know it's really strange that's where i met um i think our mutual friend andre samos and darren samos mm -hmm. like that's like uh which is which is this very cool thing i told him that i was uh interviewing you and he was like ask him this question and i have a question to ask you do, oh, you, well. do you want to know it maybe in a little bit in a little bit uh, but okay so let's go I'm let's older yeah let's go back let's go back a little bit uh anyway so you we, were talking about you were talking about in college did i did i choose to do music or what so so what happened was before midtown i had a band called humble beginnings which was like a big local jersey band that i did throughout high school and I was the bass player of that band. I was kind of like, almost like the Pete Wentz of that band. I was like the bass player who, but, but like people knew me more than the singer. Right. And I think that caused a problem with me and the singer and I ended up getting kicked out of that band. Did he wanted to be known? He wanted to be like the front person. Dude, was it yeah. And I think that goes also to what we're talking about before. Like, I really don't like when people try to tear each other down. Like to me, like I'm like, I always wanted the spotlight, but I wanted to be in the spotlight with my friends, you know? Right. And like, I was very like, I, I'm outgoing. I love people, you know, I'm aggressive. I think that that's a really honest thing to say. A lot of people don't say that. A lot of people are like, I'm just cool. I don't want to do this thing. But I think it's a really, no, I, wanted attention. Dude, I think it's like an admirable thing to be like, I wanted to do this, but I wanted to do it with the people that I liked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you want like, no one goes on stage in front of thousands of people if they don't have something to prove or want attention in some way, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be selfish. It doesn't have to be attention that's, that's focusing on something that's, that's superficial or, or trivial. You can want attention because you have a message that you want to share with people, right? Or because you created something that you feel passionate about and you want to share it. Like that's a great reason to want attention. There's nothing wrong with that. But well, I think um, it's just the first time I've heard it worded like that in a, in an honest way. Yeah, I, I mean, think people kind of skirt around that thing. I feel like people skirt around that a lot. You kind of just came out and you're like, I did want this and I wanted to do it here. 
And yeah. I really like that. I think people like, I don't know what, what happened, but I think people, I don't have any qualms about that because I'm an immigrant. I was here illegally. I had nothing. So I don't ever want to have nothing again. And if anyone wants to argue with me about that, I'll argue with them all day. But you know. do, you, do you feel like that's why you've worked so fucking hard to be where you're at right now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I always felt like I, when I was younger, I felt like I didn't have, so I didn't want to be poor anymore, you know? And I think that, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, you know, it's okay to be poor. You know, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge that. But there's, there's no, uh, you don't get a prize for that. Yeah, I think when you yeah. come from it, you're probably like, I, I would like to do not this. Especially like really poor. It's like one thing, you know, like, you know, we didn't have a support system here. Like, you know, and the, the programs, the great programs that exist now to support people weren't there back then when I when I was a kid. I, I mean, it was, you know, hearing that, and then see, the last time I saw you was at the forum right so what mm. a fucking giant step from what you just told to me to be fair we you know it's like you're saying the yeah the we were supporting a band that was uh, okay now forum, uh, now you're doing the now look you you were you played the you know you played I, play, the I did forum. play the forum you that did sick. play the forum and, and it was yeah. really wonderful to see you and your family and to watch, to you know, Midtown is Midtown's one of my favorite bands. Like it always has been. I have told you that since the moment that I met you, and I'll tell everybody. I really do think that you guys wrote, and or still, you still are you still? What are you doing? You guys are putting out covers now, right? Yeah, is that what's happening? I, yeah, yeah. I, I hate the word covers. We're putting out. We're, we're we recorded songs that influenced us. Yeah, and and we're we're uh, we're sharing them with people. Are you? And that's. Okay, I, I skipped. I skipped over a skipped lot of stuff. So much, I skipped yeah, over yeah, a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But I, is that when you did you when your family when you were with your family were there, were your kids like so proud of you then or were no. they just like that's no dad's my kid is heckling dad. me. He's like, Dad, you're poop. You suck. <laughs> I do better shows than you. Like, yeah, he was my, almost as tall as kid. me. He's a tall kid. Yeah, he's, he's almost as tall as me. He's tall. He's tall. He was fucking running around. But that's that's a really, I mean, by the way, my kid is six. For everyone listening, yeah. But also, like, it, it what a what a wild thing to go from that to that. Did you ever, for a second, think that that was going to be your life trajectory? Um, no, I didn't really have much conception about it. I mean, like going back to to how this was, I just was like really passionate about music. I was inspired, like passionate about the scene, and it was small. Like the scene was small. Like for me, my you know, I went to see a veil at Coney Island High when I was when I was a kid. And I wasn't like the biggest Avail fan and, you know, but I, I like them. Cool. But it was like super crazy hot in there. And I, I, I was outside like a couple of songs before the show ended. And, and, you know, what I was really inspired by was just like everyone else there was just like, wow, this is my favorite band ever. I know every word to every song. And I just remember being on St. Mark's place and the doors of Conan High opening and just like a cloud of mist comes out when the doors open. It was a cold day and it was just like cold night and, they just open the doors and it's just like, bam, all these people come out. I'm like, like, this is what I want. I just want to go to any city in the country and just have 400 kids come out. I don't need to be the biggest band in the world, but I, but for the, for the kids that love us, I want us to be the most important thing in their lives, you know, you, you or were, most important band in their lives. When you were playing, did you feel, when you were playing back then, what, what, how many years, what was it? Not, what, 20 years ago. 20 years, 20 years ago. ago 20 yeah. years ago. Like, did you feel, cause this is the way that I felt. I felt that there was no distinguishing thing about our generation and there was like, you know, you had the 60s, 70s, 80s, and you, and you could be like, each one of those things looked very, very different in my head. And I was like, they had that, they had this. When we were growing up and we were having this music, I felt like it wasn't, I feel like it was just like a lull thing. I didn't feel like, and when it, like L-U-L, like I thought it was not nothing distinguishable about it. And I was like, this is something that I love personally and it's not going to really leave a mark on the culture and you now, felt that about the bands you listened to i felt that about me and about like yourself? all of the things that we were doing i thought it was really important but i couldn't see how it would have impacted the world 20 years later which is a silly thing to think but now looking back especially with all this stuff that's happened in the last like i don't know what like five years yeah with like pop pop punk being it may, like mainstream now, like emo being like mainstream thing. Like, does that, is that fucking weird you out that you were there from the start and where it is right now? And what, what do you fucking think? Why do you think that that is? Why do you think we are where we are with this? Yeah. Well, I mean, I actually don't think I was there from the start. Like, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a small part of a bigger continuum. 
um, which, you know, you're talking about, you know, the music that is in a sense uh, counter culture in some way, right? It's count, It's not the mainstream music. It's created by people who don't find anything um, that speaks to them in what's available in the mainstream. And then, so they look elsewhere. They look underground. It's underground music, right? And I think it's funny. I read an article once when I was a kid because this, ha- this has happened many times before. Like the, when I was a kid, the offspring and Rancid were really big, you know? And it almost became so big that it became a caricature. Like I remember like Rancid were on the cover of Details Magazine, which is like a men's like, yeah, it's a GQ. Yeah. I don't know if it still exists anymore. And I think that was like the jump the shark moment, for, you know? And, and it was like, and, but I remember reading this article and they're talking about how Offspring was like so big and they're playing this big amphitheater and they're a punk band. And like, what's the dude's name from the Offspring? Um, Needles? Needle, noodles, no- noodles. Noodles. That's the guitar player. I think the, the, the singer, I don't know. But he said something like there was like a beach so- ball. Someone, th- someone brought a beach ball to the Offspring show and he's like, what is this, a Bon Jovi concert? And then the writer was like, actually not, no, it's kind of like a Bon Jovi concert. Right. That's how big it is, you know? And... And they were talking, they interviewed one of Offspring's friends that kind of grew up with them. And he's like, and his attitude was like, yeah, you mainstream fucks come out like once every few years, like something pops up and you guys are interested. And then you go back and go to your next fashion party and like your next thing. But like us real punk rockers were here forever. Like, and you guys were just like taking it just once in a while. And then it just goes back underground. And, you know, that's kind of what it is. It's like, there's always people who are dedicated to like something they're passionate about that is not available in the mainstream and they dedicate their lives to it, you know? And there's moments where for whatever confluence of reasons or the stars aligning, like something just becomes huge, you know? And I think the the unique thing is, you know, with Midtown, we saw that happen. And then we saw it happen again, kind of when, when Midtown, then I did Cobras, the last tour that Midtown did was opening for fallout boy. And that just gave me a lot of revelations because I was seeing the same thing happen again that I had experienced you know, at the beginning of Midtown, you know, like four years later, I'm like, it's happening again. And it, it just kind of goes in cycles. There's just these moments where like everything just starts popping up and everyone becomes interested in something. Um, and then it just goes, you know, I think Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. So I think we're just in another, another part of that rhyme. So I think what, what I feel really lucky about is I just got to be a part of that, right? Like it's all about just like you get the baton, you carry it for a while and then you pass it on you pass it on. And that's like, so I feel very privileged that I, that I was a part of that tradition because it's a tradition. It's well, a culture. You're also part of history, right? Like at this point, you're like now a part of history. Like if we were to do a documentary on the culture that we grew up listening to, you are in that. You like, does that like feel like a strange thing to be like, Oh yeah, I, I had my part in what's what, what, it, what, changed like yeah how I, think, I, changed. I think that's a little strange because when i look at like my heroes like or like you know like someone like imakai so for me as a kid imakai right. or like you know or like Siv or something like like those were guys especially imakai like he kind of did the same thing he kind of created two scenes he started straight edge and then afterwards he started post-punk and did yeah. Fugazi, you know yeah and it's like he did that kind of i mean with his friends and stuff but like two different things that were all kind of like they shared a theme of like being counterculture but very different very different energies one was about like just fucking being young and then being aggressive and you know very 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 um physical and then the other one was more about like you know you know moving moving the art in a different direction so um well that's yeah uh, that part's that part's a little weird for me to wrap my head around to be honest and and you did that with with midtown and then when you moved over to cobra and i gotta look this is where i get very honest I was doing a lot of drugs during when you started Cobra. So then I, you would have loved Cobra Starship. I know. Yeah. Well, it's very funny if you, I'm sh- which I'm sure, did you, did you Google your boss before you got a job there? Okay. So when you Google Cobra Starship, it's like, Gabe went to the desert and did drugs and then started Cobra Starship is what it says on Wikipedia, yeah, yeah. which is a, which is a very, very, but so I'm, this is, I missed that whole, I missed the whole thing. But what's crazy about this is Cobra Starship is one of the most requested things that we get at Emo. Right. And whenever you come in, whenever you come, just like at Pop In or do yeah. anything, people are so goddamn excited to see. <laughs> Aww, like, I, I mean, that. that it's really, really, really it's a wild sweet. thing. And I think that the most, look, the, whenever I tell anybody that I'm talking to you or you are coming or doing any of this thing, the most requested thing is like, what is happening with Cobra Starship? And so, I, like, and I'm gonna say, I don't know, man. And I don't know if I want to ask him because I don't think that know if anybody knows 
what the future holds for anything. But if I could ask that question, and I feel like a lot of people do want to know what is what is there a future? What is happening with Cobra Starship? I mean, I'd be honest, not nothing's happened with Cobra Starship. You know, I think that um, which doesn't mean. It will never happen. Yeah, it's just, it you know, my whole attitude about all this stuff, what I've learned like in this journey is you got to just let things come to you. You can't force it. You can't force a record to come out. You can't force art. Like, and that's how I treat my artists too. I'm like, okay, if you don't feel inspired, you need time, like go do it. I'm not going to force you. Like, you know, I'll go work on something else. Like, <clears throat> and some people get that. Some people don't get that, you know, but I think to maintain longevity, if you try to force something, you end up creating like the, uh, the opposite pressure in the wrong direction later, you know? So, uh, you know, and I think, by the way, I think that's also what, what cut the life of Cobra Starship short. It's, it's, uh, it just was so much, so fast, so much pressure. And then at some point it just, the, the whole thing just burst. So, um, I don't have anything to report about Cobra Starship. I mean, the only thing that I will say for me is that even though Cobra Starship was like a project that I started by myself, it really became a band. Right. Um, and it was about like, the vibe of this group of people together that, you know, what, what was the, the point of Cobra Sasha? The point of Cobra Sasha was like, no matter what's happening in your life, like you can get together with your friends and just have a great time and forget about that stuff. Even if you're just at a show for one night, I mean, that's what you do. That's what, that's what emo night is. Right. And it's like, you come together and just like, whatever, whatever's happening, it's just like, it doesn't really matter. Um, so that vibe just needs to be there for me. That's like the most important thing. If that vibe's not there, there's no reason to do it. Okay, well, I answered the question so everybody can shut the fuck up. I asked the question so everybody shut up. But and if it, like, I don't know if I gave you an answer. I kind of gave you a non-answer. Answer. Dude, yeah. you absolutely gave me an Karina, answer. Was because, that an answer? Yeah. It, dude, know. it's 100% an answer yeah. because if I, look, I have so many questions that I wrote. By the way, this may be the only interview that I've prepared for except for oh. maybe the first one. Right? Like the first interview I did. And Who was your first interview? Pierce the Veil. Oh, well. Can you tell that I'm a little bit nervous? No, you're not nervous at all. You're so relaxed. You're not even looking at your questions. We're just talking, bro. I know. Like two bros. Look, that's the... I know, but I am... It's the new studio. I like... I, is this the first interview in the studio? This is the first interview in the studio. I think wow. that that's why I'm a little nervous. Well, here's a funny thing about Nicki Minaj is that song... Starships is her song, right? Starships. That's her song, right? Yeah, he doesn't even know. Let's he check he that. <laughs> let's, let's fact check that. Let's check that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. So, so... That song, I think, was actually written for Cobra Starship. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Cobra Starship got so big in the pop world. There was, like, people throwing songs at us, you know, that we didn't know. And someone, I guess, like, threw that song. I don't even know if I actually heard it, but it ended up not getting through whatever kind of approval process goes through. And then that's how Nikki took it. Did you want to know? So... I don't think it would have been a good song for Cobra Starship, but just by the way, even though it was a huge song, I think that, I think, I think it would have killed our career earlier. Dude, but the reason that I'm like, the reason that, I don't think, I don't think so. But can you imagine playing Starships at Emo Night? I don't know. If, uh, if yes. I, really, I absolutely. Yeah. Have absolutely. you done it? Really? I'm sure that somebody yeah. has done it somewhere. Yeah. But like I, the reason why I'm like, you're, you're not talking about forcing shit is like, what I, and why I was like, oh, I prepared for this. I haven't asked any questions, yeah. right? Like I haven't asked anything and I never will force anything. And I think that that's the way to be in general as a person and as, as an, especially as an artist, Amen. right? Because if you have to force, like, I know that there's a lot of uh, third and fourth albums that people sign like contracts for and they have to push it out. And that's when bands and artists like lose their steam because they're like, they are, are forced to do these things. Like the first and second album are always really fucking wild did you run into that shit yeah i mean I've, i'm one of my things is i just I, I i always have said i feel like bands only have three good albums in them and you know sometimes that's like a rule of thumb and there's exceptions to that obviously but you know it's like you have your whole f- life to write your first album then your second album you're just riding that wave and then the third album maybe you try and do something different um and you have to like kind of reinvent yourself by then and even if it works, you just don't know where to go after that. You know, that's what happened with Midtown. You know, I, dude, but I, I, I mean, I'm, I, that's what happened to Refused. It, dude, it's, right? it's one of those things though, but like those two bands, you know, you could probably name a couple of other ones, but I stuck with them the entire time. Like I, the entire time. And I was like, oh, I will listen to this over and over and over again until I love this. And now I'm back and I'm, I really, 
Really? Yeah, dude. I I, can't, I don't know. I maybe just maybe it's me. I don't have an like like I love Saves the Day. It's one of my favorite. That I, I know the, the first, exact example second, I was ex- gonna fucking say. All right, but this is this is in 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 in, um, in academic Judaism. You call this uh, a machlokis, which is uh, God bless you. This this is it's uh, it is a a uh, disagreement between two sages. So let's talk about it. I, right. I, I think after uh, stay what you are. I just it, in Reverie was the next one, right? In Reverie was the next one. I could not get into that record. I tried. I could not get into it. There are a couple. Look, you know how uh, th- there there was um, Cancel It Down through mm-hmm. Being Cool and Stay What You Are. Yeah. First, th- the perfect albums. Like, By the way, I know like perfect. every word to every song on all those three records. Like to go from that and I, like I can't name it, you a song in a Reverie. See, the thing is. I can, and I, and it was because I loved those, I loved that band so much that I was willing to grow with them. And I also, even when I was really young, I was like, how can people stay the same? You can't, you always want to go back to the thing that you love and you want artists to be like, do the thing, do that again. Mm -hmm. That's the way I feel about turnover. I just want turnover to make peripheral vision again. Mm. They're not going to because they're fucking growing up and they're getting older and they're learning new things and experimenting and it would be unfair of me to be like do the thing that i want you to do again right there's only a couple of artists where like you're one of them uh saves the day is one of them refused again like i love all i'm not one of them i haven't made a fourth album Um, you said you're like fucking no no you are you said what no that's what I'm saying. What'd you say? Two albums? You have good three good albums in you. Oh, I so you I made three albums, albums with Midtown. Oh. Okay, I'm kind of lying a little bit because I'm trying to pretend like a Cobra album doesn't exist, but there's a fourth Cobra album that sucks. Um, and Do you th- know it sucks? Did you go into it being like, this sucks? Yes, it sucks for many reasons. I didn't want to make it. Um, we were like, exactly. We were kind of like, we're like riding this wave. We just come off a big hit of Good Girls Go Bad. Um we put out a single that becomes a hit before the album's out. It's like, okay, you got to put an album out around the single. And like, you're just rushed to make an album. We like literally made it in, in, in like the basement of my building in New York, which had like no windows. We didn't use any like real producers to work on it. it, it yeah. It's shitty. We made a shitty, we made a shitty record. Um, but there's some, there's some like decent stuff and it. it just wasn't, it's not a fully fleshed out idea. And like the great thing about art is when you like really like, flesh it out and work on it and tweak it and like, you know, really sm- figure out what it is. It just, it's rushed. It's not that good. Song selection is not that good. It's not, not, yeah. But I'm, I mean, good. like I, I think that there's some, it, you don't even know what it is. It's not a good fourth album. No one has a good a fourth. Uh, I mean, maybe there are exceptions, but for the most part, I, that I agree with you, that, that I agree album. with you, yeah. but I can't, I can't, dislike an artist for trying no. to continue to grow but it is God hard forbid. dude four albums yeah. are fucking it's a lot how do you all right and then you all right let's top let's let's i think fall boy have actually been good at it you know dude the, there, all yeah. of their the, the album the song that they just the couple songs that they really just put great. out really great the second one i can't remember the name of it, but the second one's even better it's than the fucking first fantastic yeah. Yeah. Dude, the video and, was amazing and it's wild because you know usually when an artist like that puts out a fucking a song now they get shit on the internet loved this and which is which is crazy same thing with skrillex he didn't done anything he hadn't done anything for a while did so much in the last week everybody was fucking so pumped and it's really rare and i think that that's the that at least for me when you're such a fan of something i'll like it kind of regardless and i will stand up for it regardless even if i don't think it's like that great i don't think all of the saves the day albums are that great but there are songs that i can name and know by by name off of like their fifth or sixth or seventh. i, I was going through fall voice spotify the other day just yeah. looking at the the catalogs and the release and i think they took like three five-year hiatuses in their career there's like three times where there's five years between albums you know and I think that that's, if you want to have longevity, you got to give yourself that space. Otherwise you can't create longevity. It's just like, go, 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 go. You're going to burn out. And that's what happens, I think, to a lot of artists. And I think that that's, if, if there's anything that I try to just teach my artists, it's just like, don't put yourself under pressure. It's just like you, people, artists put themselves under more pressure than they need to be on. You know, they do it to themselves more than anybody does it to we, them. I, I, we, we do. Yeah. I think that we can say like very, very that's a very fair statement because you want to make the best thing and you're like, and forcing somebody to be creative is that doesn't you can't cheat teach it it's not something you can teach you can teach like the basics of like you can learn how to do photoshop you can learn how to play guitar but you can't teach somebody how to fucking write an awesome song it's just like being an awesome radio host yeah. you can't teach somebody how to do that we which by the way dude this is very very funny we were looking at this before you came in 
they now have AI radio. No way. Yeah. It's fucking hysterical. Where a person's talking? Yeah. It's so wild. It's like localized, which you want to know You want to know what I did? Yeah. I asked AI to ask uh, you some questions. Oh, yeah? Let's hear them. Yeah. Do you want to hear Some of them are good. Some yeah, of them are, they're like, they're super Which big. AI system do you use? Chat GPT? Chat GPT. Yeah. It it's was pretty like, good, Chat GPT. Dude, it's not bad. I mean, some of, there were two that I did, it, uh, but, 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 that I thought was pretty, that were pretty decent. I, not all of them are good. The one, the first one was what type of impact did your involvement with My Chemical Romance have on your career from AI? Is that a bad, now that's you a, tell me if that's a bad question or a good question because that's an AI question. I didn't write it. I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a good topic to talk about, but it's just like the phrasing of it is so bad. It feels like a test question. It's a robot question. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. that's what it but is. I think their whole thing is it's not supposed to feel like a robot. Right. So that, I think that feels very robotic. But yeah, I think the Mike Kim thing is interesting to talk about, but I feel like I've talked about it enough. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't give a shit about it. Like we all know, you can look at that up elsewhere. This I actually liked. Hold on, let's see see another one. Where I did, I highlighted them. I highlighted them. Mm, Wouldn't, it's also robotic, but it does, but it does, it it does the thing that I want it to do. Is that what inspired you to start Tag? That, it is like the most hack robotic question ever but i feel like it's an appropriate question yeah i do you want to actually talk about it do you want to talk about it yeah sure i it's want you to talk about it because i also want you to talk about your artists and rank them in your favorite order from favorite to worst oh, i'm definitely not going to do that but uh uh i, I think that <laughs> you know i just i um and this goes back, I guess, to what we were talking about before. Like, what did I want to do? I wanted to play shows like a veil played. You know, I just wanted to go on tour and play f- for like 400 kids. And then after I did that when I was young and I'm like, oh, cool, what am I going to do now? And it's like, well, I just actually discovered that there's actually a whole business here, right? Maybe I can learn about this, right? And like, can this actually be a way to make a living and like not have to like go back to school and get a job? And that's the choice I had to make when Midtown was over. I was like 23. I was like, am I going to go back to school or am I going to like try and figure out how the business works. And I had a friend who was just like, if you just get out of your own way, like you could be successful. And so I got on my own way. I learned the business and how, how did I learn the business? Yeah, how did like, I get on my own way? No, no, let's both. Were you doing a bunch of wild shit and you had to calm down a little bit? I wasn't doing wild shit. I think I was just very, I was a passionate kid, but I was also, uh, um, let's just say in, in my, uh, as, as I've grown, well, I've, well, let's just I've say learned more were, diplomacy. You were also 23. Right. Like anybody, that, how old are you guys? You're 22? That's no. why he doesn't know what descendants are. That's why he's a social yeah. media manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, like when I was 23, I was a fucking nightmare, dude. I would never have been able to start anything. I had to learn how to calm down and, I mean, I still am a little bit not calm down, but I'm much better than I was. I just, I just would get into, I'm, I'm very passionate. So, and I have a lot of ideas and I was less tolerant of other people's input. Let's put it that way. Right. So I I was, uh, it was the way that I wanted to do it and it had to be this way. And I just wouldn't. And it's funny because I observe some of that in artists today and I see how it can really hold you back. And I think that what my friend was saying was like, oh, I see you're just holding yourself back. Like people believe in you, like they're here for you and they're just, you know, you're just holding yourself back by arguing about everything. You can't argue about everything, right? It's also a very Jewish quality, just arguing, arguing, arguing. I, I, could, I could literally argue about anything. There's somebody, your talk that, dude, there's somebody that calls me just to argue. They're like, I'm going to give you a point and you're going to tell me the opposite point. That's right. Yeah, it's just like the way, it's just the way it goes. But I mean, I understand. Like, but time and place for that, you know? I mean, I think if, you know, like join a debate club or something, you know, right? So it's like, so I think that it just gets tiring, especially when people are trying to build something with you. They're trying to build a business with you, right? So you can't have that attitude. If you want to, it's like also, it's just like learning to work with people, right? Which also is not, there's an art to that, but it's also not, if you want to do your truest form of art and really just follow your whims, your artistic whims, wherever they take you, you can't compromise at all, you know? And I think that when I when we did Forget What You Know with Midtown, we made a record that we didn't compromise at all on any part of it. We did it outside. We weren't signed when we made that record. We just made it. And then we, then we got a deal and we're like, here's the record. This is it, you know? And, and that was really rewarding to do that, you know? And it was, uh, um, 
a, you know, financial disaster. It didn't, you know, it was, it was, it was a failure, right? You know, uh, from, from like a you success got, point of view. You got my, my 16, Ninety nine, or probably not then. Maybe later on. Later on, it found its audience, but when it came out, it just didn't have a place to fit. No one understood the record, which is fine. It was like we made. The, we, I remember when we were making that record, we said we don't care if if nobody listens to this, as long as it's something that we're still going to be proud of in twenty years. We're gonna that's success to us, and we did that. So I'm like, cool. That was our goal. We accomplished that. We said. We wanted to make something that we we're proud of that we didn't compromise and we did it. And like 20 years later, it holds up. And I'm like, that's amazing. It's an amazing accomplishment. So then the question is, okay, where do I go now? And so I could have just been like, cool, I accomplished my artistic goals. Um, you know, that, that you can't feed yourself from that. You can't feed yourself making records that no one wants to listen to. So, so I was like, well, am I going back to school? Or my friend was like, why don't you just try and get out of your way and see how far you can go? Like understanding what this business is and understanding, you know, the, the, the other thing I tell artists too is that there's just like, Art and commerce are like diametrically opposed and there's no like comfortable intersection. There just isn't. It's always, they're always going to be fighting each other. The, the, the wants of art are always going to be fighting the, the invisible hand of, of commerce. It's always going to be at odds. So you just have to, as an artist who wants to have a career, you have to figure out how to walk this tight rope um, every day. Now it's not it's so, a it's compromise the, now. It's an everyday balancing act. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, just one day you're like, okay, cool, I got it. It's like, no, every day you have to like reevaluate, re-understand because you're going to get pulled in different directions every day. So, but if you're, if you're, if you have your head focused on, okay, cool, I want to win. What does winning mean to you? Like to me, winning is like, can I like support myself from doing what I love, right? Like that's like the dream, right? That's what I guess anyone who makes art wants to be able to do. want to be able to make art and not worry about making money, right? So you started attack. So started Cobra Starship. So and then uh, and then Cobra Starship became became big, and then so I learned like how to do like, that. Did you have some money? You had some money after Cobra Starship. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how how much money Bro, artists have, gets back then. You how much money you have? Like twenty thousand bucks. Twenty three at least. Yeah. But no, I mean, dude, Cobra Starship had hits. Like you have to understand. I know, like, no, no, I know. And it was that was at the time when people were buying albums and putting. They were not buying albums. If I would have made that at the time. That, that people were buying albums either 10 years earlier or 10 years later, I'd be so fucking rich, but, but I can live, you know? So that's, that's a good thing. So, I, did you make more money off of touring with Cobra? Um, did I make more money off of touring Cobra? Like, how did you, how did you start tag with the money that you got from Cobra? Well, and if it's too personal, you don't have to answer. But I want you to answer. Please First answer. of all, I saved a lot of money. You're good at that. I good. Are you? Are I you, learned. Are you good at? P bro, we have balancing. Not a PLs. I'm very good at investing. Thank God. So we have we have a thing on Fridays at Tag that I try to institute called Financial Freedom Fridays, where I'm trying. FFF. Yeah, FFF. Try to teach the kids how you know what to do with their money so that they can like start being able to have financial freedom so that they don't have to depend on. A tag job or any job at some point in their lives but you know again because i was like a, a poor immigrant i had nothing my my parents just ingrained that with me at a young age you know um i remember there was like a story of like when we lived in springfield new jersey our neighbor and we lived like in a blue collar neighborhood and our neighbor lost his job and my dad's like oh i'm so sorry he's like oh it's okay i have everything i've money saved i'm gonna be fine you know and my dad just always told me how important that was just to like learn how to save how to invest and you know also like I mean, it gets complicated. Yeah, we, but we, can, we can have a Financial well, Freedom Fridays podcast separate. separate I would aside, absolutely love to. Yeah. Do you tell them just not to buy Postmates like all the time? Just what's put the, what's all like, your money in crypto? <laughs> GameStop to that, the moon. It, what 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 is what? What's like the biggest takeaway? And I'm talking off camera to some people that work with you. Yeah, what are the big, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you get from Financial Freedom Fridays from Gabe? So we we kind of stopped it, but Karina, I've told Karina some stuff, but. I don't <laughs> oh, is it like company no. stuff? Okay, so it's it's you. It's a thing that you that you you have to have one thing because I want to know. I know what. Look, if you look at how much money I spend on like this every day, is like seven fifty, but it's also like a my quality. Right. I mean, that's like, that's that's like your cash flow, like you know, and like I think it's just a mentality. You know, being financially free is a mentality, right? Like it's a mentality of not wanting to be a slave. Right, but you have to use the tools of slavery. Right, we exist in the system that it's 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 set up to enslave us. You know, so how do we get around that? 
we like skirt the system by learning to save, by learning how to not fall for like consumption, right? I really like, like fuck the man Fridays. Yeah, fuck the man Fridays. That's like yeah, really yeah, yeah. what it sounds like. And I really like that you do that with it. So, so people are like, oh, have you taken your kid to Disneyland? I'm like, no, I'm not going to take my kid to Disneyland. I don't want him to just be a sucker for com- consumerism. Like right away, right away, just ingrain that in them. Like you have to buy, you have to go, you have to do that. Like, no, you don't have to do all these things, you know? So I think that's just part of like, just like, I think that's an independent mentality. Yeah. Like I'm an independent person. I like independent music. I, I, I root for underdogs. Like that's just how I think. Um, you know, and I think that, that, that having success comes from that. It doesn't come from like, Oh, I, you know, my, I have a good job. So I get success. It's like, you can have a great job and you can blow your money and then you're going to be broke and you're going to be also enslaved. Like you have to really have the mentality of like using that to set yourself up for freedom. You know, who's really good at that. Who? TJ's really good at that. Is he even Jewish? No. Well, dude, you're such you're such a, a, a shame on our people. I know. No, you <laughs> want to know what? I'm actually okay. I'm okay. No, at I it. think you're okay. I think you're just playing the. Part. I'm okay at it. Uh, I'm like fine. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. fine at it. But he's much better than I am at it. Like he's very good on on that end. Wait, I, I want to talk about a little bit. How do you find the artists on tag now? Because it used to be so different. Like I used to have to go out two shows to find yeah. artists that I like. Do they come to you? Are you going out or are you like, do you have a team of people that are seeking out new? Bro, like everything great that's ever happened in my life, it's like the universe gives it to you. I don't know why. I just, you just, so we, we, we have this band that we signed from Argentina called Pacifica. They don't mm-hmm. have any music out yet. We've been working on their album. We just got their album last week and we're like, wow, this is probably one of the greatest debut albums we ever heard from a band. Like, you know, so, and how did I find them? Um, literally like after an ayahuasca ceremony, I'm like really connected. I'm the second, about- this is the second. How many of those have you done? Oh, I've been doing this since 2007. I've done like, I want to do one. A couple hundred. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. Wait, do, do you barf a bunch? I don't really barf that much. Is anymore. it, a, it's a common kind of common, common knowledge that you like, if you take it, you throw up and then you're good. Right. It, yeah. It, every, it's so funny. Like when people talk about ayahuasca, the first thing they talk about is like barfing. It's even if you That's barf, kind of even hair. if you barf in a ayahuasca ceremony, which I would say like probably like for me now, I maybe will barf like one every five ceremonies, right. you know? Um, but most people like in it for new people, it's like half of them do half of them don't, you yeah. know, it's not but, a big deal. But even if you barf, even if you do barf, it's three minutes out of a four hour thing. It's not like the ceremony isn't about barf. It's not a barfing ceremony, you know? But it's funny. It's like the first thing people talk about. Go to that. <laughs> we don't go to barf. I mean, I well, dude, did you ever play? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Ipecac. What is it called? Ipecac. 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 Is that is that what it is? Uh, yeah, yeah. What is it? Epicac. So we used to do this thing when we were in. Uh, <laughs> they both knew what it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we used to do this thing. We call it Epicac, like pizza, where you'd put it on a slice of pizza, spin it around, and then everybody had to eat the pizza. And it what's auto- Epicac? Epicac is something that they give you medically to make you throw up. Like it, <sighs> it, 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 it like makes you throw up almost immediately. So if we'd sit in a circle. Somebody would, you know, this is what would trunk drunk teenagers uh-huh. would do you'd put it on a piece of pizza spin it around then somebody would have to take it and then you would sit there for and it, it, it's almost instantaneous and then they throw up and that's you know it's like ipecac roulette wow i kind of i love that let's go back to the band <laughs> <laughs> let's go back let's so go anyway back so kid. literally i'm like feeling really connected to the universe and i i just on my app on my phone i don't even go on youtube that much i just open up youtube and i get this video of these two young women doing some song and that was like their first video they ever posted i'm just like wow there's like something here and i just spoke to them reached out and like they were just like they had just met that was like the first thing they posted i randomly saw it they're in argentina like i'm telling you like you know like people don't don't believe in god and need to look at the algorithm the algorithm really you know like the algorithm i'm just kidding kind of but uh but, Dude, but you can think about something and then want it it's I'm just, weird in these in this and it's a strange feeling it is an echo of, of, of the power of the universe. Like, why did it give that to me? You know? And then, then we reached out and we just started talking and they just started doing it. Everything's just been falling into place. And they just wrote this amazing record. And during the process, we've been growing them on social media and they have like a hundred thousand followers on all their platforms. And, you know, we're going to launch this band with, with like a great, 
great setup, a great record. So yeah, I, I don't know how I found that. It just came to me, you know? Well, it's and then I don't know how they decided to to go with us. Right. You know? Do you think that they had like a ton of other offers or do you think that the, this- you... They didn't exist, bro. The band did not exist. It wasn't, it was like, you know, they, they came to New York. Uh, this is what happened. They came to New York. They like love the strokes. They came to New York to see the strokes or, you know, and they had like some kind of fan base and they decided to play like a show at Arlene's Grocery and- there was like some people came out and I wasn't there. I was in LA, but I just spoke to them and, you know, and then like, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm like, cool, let's do it. Yeah. That was it. They had no, they had no other offers to anyone. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like you've been pretty on the mark for things that have been successful in general, right? Like you, I you did loot. I mean, what you were talking about, you're like, you can see ahead a little bit. You have, are planning financially. Financial freedom Fridays. Friday, <laughs> but with creative shit also, right? Yeah. So what do you think we've got? You know, you had me down. Of course, it sounded very different. Tag. What in the next couple of years, what do you think is going to be like the next thing? Do you have something in your head? Um, I think, I think this, you know, it's this rock resurgence is, we're just the beginning of it. I talked about this before, I, you know, like, again, it's like a cycle that comes back. So I think, let me see, remember, I, I was thinking about it before and I was like, okay, Green Day came out in like the late nineties. Then like some 41 was like 98, 99, like Fall Out Boy didn't come out until 2003. They started 2004, 2006, seven is when they were big. Like we're like at some 41 right now. Like I know. MGK is some 41. We got another 10 years on this. You I know? know. So I think it's really exciting. It's, it's exciting also because like, you know, by the time I did Cobra Starship, I mean, I, 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 I really love aspects of electronic music. What I don't like is just like the um, zero words and just like the boom, doom, doom, taking drugs and just like, you know, like in a huge festival, like uh, at like a, sound and lights show like i don't like that but have you been to festivals like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's not my vibe so so it's just not for me like I, you know I, I want something deeper i want i want a culture like right. I, you know i loved ed banger records right. like that's the kind of electron i loved like you know uh the cinespace party mm -hmm. in, in la like i love misshapes like that's like the electronic stuff i loved like you know Did you like justice? i love depression but i love justice yeah you know so so i love i love like the electronic music that has like comes from kids that made punk rock when they were younger right like that i love so so, and that's what Cobra Starship borrowed a lot from, but because we were doing electronic music, we had electronic elements in, and we came from the punk scene, it was, you know, and then the whole like David Guetta thing blew up at the same time Cobra Starship was happening and LMFAO, which was like, you know, it was, you know. Dude, it was like the epitome. Of, we were just talking about this like right before, uh -huh. before, we, you know, like how cocaine bear is coming out. Like it has oh, yeah. probably no purpose, right? Like it has no purpose except to entertain you. Mm-hmm. LMFAO was a perfect artist to just be like, we're having fun and entertaining you. I wasn't learning anything from them. I was just listening to, like, it was just. Right. Do you know? And, and I feel like we're moving a little bit towards that. Like, did you see the menu? The, no, that, the movie? Well, no, no, it was like that? a movie. I didn't learn anything from it. I don't know what that is. It yeah. just entertained me for an entire, like, hour and a half. It's, it's a good movie. But, like, now I feel like we're getting back into things that are just there for for entertainment and as opposed to trying to teach me well, a fucking I, I, lesson. I think that's always been there. I think that what happens is like, again, something comes from the underground because people want, are looking for more than entertainment. So they create something that's authentic, that has a message and it's just pure. It gets bigger. And I think you could say that's what Corporate Starship was. It's like, hey, we have like this, these entry points, these tips of the spears that people can appeals to everyone, to moms, to people around the world. It's just like a fun song, right? And then you dig in and we're like a gateway drug to this whole universe, right? Which I loved being that. That was great mm -hmm. for me, you know? But with an LMFAO, you don't get that. Right? No, you just get the you just you get, don't the, get that the high and Nothing. you don't get any anything to dig into afterwards. So um so yeah, I mean, I think it's fine when it's LMFAO, it comes from that world and it's that world that's never been anything but that. I think it's it's more difficult when like a band comes from the underground and then they lose the connection to like being the gateway to something else, you know, to, to help introduce kids to music and, you know, ideas, right? That's what music is supposed to be about. It's supposed to introduce you to ideas. And I think that you, some we're, 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 we do have to wrap up a, like kind of soon, but I do want to talk about two two more important things right. not yeah. joke things just, well 
I mean, you, I mean, I could do, oh, like we could do a tight five, right? I could do my tight five stand up bit for you, but I'm not going to. TJ and I taught a class at USC. Actually, is tight five is that like a stand up thing? Like it's like a stand, you know, it's like a tight five. five you have, yeah, it's like a tight five minute. Bro, thing. you're so Hollywood. I don't know what that is. That's the first time I heard that. But. It's crazy that you don't know these two. I feel like you know way more shit than me. And I've like, I can't believe you've never heard of the menu. It was a huge for a fucking week. The menu? I don't know what that is. Is that a, do you guys know what that is? Oh, yeah. Okay, gotta listen to these cuts. Is it is it a movie? Yeah, it's a movie. Is it out in the theaters or streaming? What? It's good. It, uh, yeah, or, it's great because it. Did, did you see Andor? By the way, excuse me. Did you see Andor? And slash or? No, no, no. You, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. I feel yeah, like right. that's unbelievable. It's like one of the best things oh, I've seen. Yeah. It's Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars. <sighs> no, I haven't seen it. It's a Star Wars offshoot on Disney Plus, like a like a episodic series, oh, yeah, like yeah. nine episodes. Amazing. Uh, it's, it's no menu apparently, but okay. Let's go back. <laughs> That's what Let's I watch. Back. Let's go back. Okay. <laughs> TJ and I taught a class last week at U at USC for some reason. They were like, yeah, about they, how to put together your tight five. No, that was my second class. That was <laughs> that was that was my second class. No, and um, it was in music. It was like music business class. We were just like nice. they and they they looked us up. They asked us all these questions and one one of I'll tell a with really, Kaminsky. No, with um, uh, Kevin. Cool. And the and it's like a hack question, but I thought it was like a really good question. It was like, how, how, how do you start getting in? Because I feel like a lot of them asked this. It was like, how do you start getting into music if you want to be in music right now? As an artist or on the business side? It was both. It was like a both thing, but I think this was more on the business side. I think on the business side, you just have to be like, dude, when I was a kid, I interned at Caroline Records. I had a shit job. I was in the production and design department. It has nothing to do with any artist or creative. And I was literally in charge of like filling out Excel spreadsheet of like what's in storage, bringing back from storage, like when there was like physical stuff. But I got to be at a fucking cool record company, you know? And, you know, I remember the one time Sebado played in the office. I was like, wow, sick. You know, so I just think you just have to just expose yourself and just make yourself available. Like if you, uh, you have to come in with the attitude, again, it's all mentality. You want to be successful. You have to come into the attitude of how am I going to add value? That's it. And I think a lot of times people are always going into any relationship or situations like, what can I get out of this? Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have, and that's, and I think we're taught to think that way and I, I i don't think that's actually good long term you might get something bigger in the short term but you're not gonna get to keep it if you want to keep long-term success you have to always be giving more than you take i i think that that was the exact answer that kevin Wyman gave, gave. Oh, i thought you were gonna say oh that's what i said too <laughs> no 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 i no no dude the one of the, the basically what i said the the one question that i got was somebody was like you look like shit Has it ever been <laughs> they're like they're like you you look like shit. Has it ever been a problem for you? Do you ever think about paying someone to cut your hair? Yeah, no, they were, like, they were just like, has it ever been an issue when you um, go anywhere? Like, you look all fucked up. They didn't say it like that, but that's how I took it. They were like, they were like it was like, a, I like your tattoos and, uh, um, you know, this thing. But I, I heard it as, you look like shit. Has it ever <laughs> fucked you up? That's really funny, bro. Um, all right, let's do some plugs. What was the other question? So there's two questions. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe there are. Maybe there aren't. I thought I was going to give you a tattoo today. I, you, I have I, a tattoo. I do you, a yeah, do you want to? Do you want to give me a tattoo? Yeah, sure. I'll I want to. This is. This will be great because when I die, you can post the picture of this and be like, I knew him when I. And yeah, look, he's got yeah, a tattoo on. Of, awesome. Yeah, which I will inevitably die before you. No, God forbid. Uh, I wanted to ask: Do you get the same rush as? when you're doing working in business as you did when you were playing in front of the biggest audiences in a band, because I really, really like music business. I like business. I like it a lot. And it makes me feel really good when I do a, like a thing that I believe in and that I, that gets pushed through, even though it's like, especially when there's a lot of people pushing back at me. And I, and like, I, I remember the same feeling playing in front of like a, when we did Coachella, right? Like I was like, holy shit, like this is this is amazing. But also at the same time, I get that feeling when we get to do something creative on the side that isn't on a stage. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think it's very analogous to being in a band. Like having a small business is like you're in a band. You're kind of all in a band together and you're working out. But, you know, don't forget like that when you're in a band, like 90% of the time everything sucks except for like the 30 minutes that you're on stage, right? And I remember saying that as when I was in a band. I'm like, oh, everything sucks. It's just like you're just living for these moments. And that's actually not a bad thing. It's like what we're doing is we're, we're, we are living to try to create these great moments that impact your life forever and are memorable, right? That's what music is about. It's not just the recording. Like, yeah, there's like a moment when you hear something for the first time, but then you go see it live and you're like, wow, like, you know, and you connect with people. So like you're creating these moments. So yeah, a lot of the stuff sometimes can get trivial or whatever, but um, I think that, you know, just knowing the back of your head that what the goal is and what you're building and what the potential is, I think it makes it fun. Also like, you know, at this point, like, not to sound, um, like I say this nicely. Um, I'm going to let you work this out. <laughs> I'm pretty good at what I do, right? Yeah. So, it's, so it's fun to do stuff that you're yeah. good at, you know? And it's good also, like, it, when you're good and you learn something new, it's actually more fun, you know? So I, I enjoy it. Like, I really enjoy the business part of it. I also think, again, like, you know, it's like you got to do a deal, right? You got to do a business deal. And, and what's going to make that deal different is again, your mentality, right? If your mentality is, I want to try and get as much as possible from this person to do the deal, you are going to have a different experience and the person working with is going to, on the other side of the deal is going to have a different experience. But if your mentality is like, I just want to create a win-win situation, right? You're going to approach doing deals differently. So like, I love doing deals. I love doing business, but I love doing it with the mentality that I think that I have that, that's unique. Do you think this was a good interview? I think it was a great interview, bro. I think we could go for hours. I, like, really, I, I felt like we were just getting started. I just looked at my watch. I'm like, oh I, shit, I, I gotta get I, the fuck out of here. I could, I could uh, uh, we could. Uh, uh, uh. And you can come back whenever you want. Like I thought, Thanks, did man. you think this was a good interview? <laughs> Everybody really has to say yes. Yes. Do you want to give me a tattoo really quick? Or do you have to go? Yeah, I kind of have to go, but it kind of... Um, I can set it up super quick, but we don't have to. We I want to do- make it nice though. It's not going to be nice. I'm going to let you know regardless. All right, let's do it. I will give you a tattoo the next time I come back. Okay. So that way I will come back here so we'll do a tattoo. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, Gabe Supporta. Thank you.